Welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen, a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics and new thought. They're all about the basics, but they are not basic bitches. Now, here are your hosts, April Dali and Jen Merkel. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. My name is Jen Merkel. I am a transformational life coach and a certified hypnosis practitioner, and you can find information about me and what I do at jenmerkelhypnosis.com. And I'm April Darley. I'm an emotional strength and confidence coach. So I'm guiding you through some magical mindset. And you can find out more about what I do at aprildarley.com. And, you know, we are, as we like to say, a non-monetized podcast, and we like to keep it that way. So any love that you can throw our way, we really appreciate it. Give us a like, give us a review, give us a star, send us an email at spiritualbasicspodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website, spiritualbasicspodcast.com. And uh, yeah, let us know what you've got going on. If you have any questions or any suggestions about future shows. Now, this show is going to be about witchcraft, which is kind of crazy that we haven't talked about this before, because it is really one of the biggest topics when you think about, you know, new age and consciousness and there's so many misconceptions. So um, April is going to enlighten us about a lot of those, which is really cool, but First, I wanted to chat a little bit about, you know, we had a recent episode about release. So recently I had April and another one of our friends over for just a little afternoon get together and we did a release ceremony in conjunction with the solstice, the end of the year, all that kind of thing. And um, so the idea is something that I do every year anyway. So I basically invited April and our other friend, Jackie, and to come to join me and do it. And so we wrote on a piece of paper, everything that we wanted to release. We all filled up those papers right. pretty well. You know, I usually do. And I feel like I could write forever. And at one point I'm like, okay, I got to stop now. So, <laughs> so I had this big pot, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is fire safe. It's my, you know, stainless steel right. pasta pot, you know, that I, I don't hardly ever use because I don't cook pasta, but <laughs> anyway, so I thought, oh, this is, this will be perfect. And so, uh, I'm like, oh, we're like, okay, I'm first. So. I went and I set my paper on fire and it continued to <laughs> smoke and flame and smoke. And I'm like, oh no, we have a problem here because I've got sprinklers in my apartment and I didn't want everything to turn wet. I could just picture, I could almost see like all the fire alarms going off, all my neighbors <laughs> get down to the hall and be like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, oh man, no, it's okay. It's witchcraft so, causing a riot. So I just opened my door and we're like trying to fan all the smoke outside, but it still started coming in, right? Because it was right. warmer inside. So mm-hmm. the, the air wanted to go to the warmer spot. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a nightmare. Anyway, it finally did burn up and I'm like, okay, well there's that, but then it's April's turn. Right. So <laughs> I double folded my paper instead of a single fold like Jen did. And that was a slow burn. And it's like <laughs> that thing would just not burn. I'm like, you know what? It freaking figures. I'm a Taurus. I'm stubborn. I'm even stubborn to let my 2020 crap go. Apparently <laughs> it just didn't want to go. It didn't. It did and then it. by the time we did Jackie's, it was pretty much the same, but I just, we just kind of lit it on fire, left it out on my, on mm-hmm. my belt. <laughs> and it eventually burned up and we eventually got everything. But you know, it's funny too, because where I had done that, the first time I did that was about, well, it was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. 
three years ago. Gosh, I can't even remember now, but a couple of years back, I was going to a unity church and they did that. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, they use something called flash paper. Mm -hmm. And I guess flash paper burns up really quickly and without a lot of smoke. And it's like, well, at the time I'm like flash paper. I don't care. Whatever. Magicians use flash paper. Well, so I got to make sure I stock up on flash paper before (laughs) I do that again, because Yeah. And then the funny thing too, is we're just like, we had just done it. We're like, okay, that feels good. We released it all. And then all of a sudden the lights went out in my kitchen, just bam, went out. And I'm like, wait, what? what then the ghost started to roll up in here. Right. But yeah, there was somebody there. There was a presence there. A very friendly presence. But at first when that happens, you're like, oh no, what's happening now? <laughs> we are going to stop talking and I'll look at each other like, oh, okay. Oh, I mean, we all knew it was about a ghost. Like all of us are very intuitive. So yeah, we're like, oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Part two of our rituals just, you know, kicked in, right? <laughs> it was a good time though. So what kind of witchy stuff do you have going on, April? Okay. So currently I have been getting this intuitive nudge to explore making, uh, witch, witchy cocktails. And I, first I blame this, you know, if you've been a listener at the show, you know, I'm, I've got Amazon Kindle and I'm, I've got the unlimited Kindle unlimited right now. And I'm reading a lot of cozy books. So there's these witchcraft cozy books, right? So, and it's the, what are they call it? It's the kind of like the midlife magical genre, right? And some of these women are just meeting for a regular cocktail, like wine Wednesdays. So they have a cocktail, you know, evening every week. Mm-hmm. And sure. some of these are characters are witches. Clearly and this a cocktail, is, right? you know, outside of 2020 <laughs> and social distancing, right? but yeah. So And then I was like, oh, that just sounds so delightful. You know, little witchy cocktails. So, but I'm just, I've had some past lives that I just enjoy in Ireland where I was like a bar wench. So I think it's kind of connecting to that. And when I was a kid, I used to make potions out of water and leaves and, you know, acorns and whatever. So I think it's really kind of connecting to that inner child delight. Hmm. And so I'm checking about three books right now. And the first one is called Potions, Brews, and Elixirs. I can't remember the author of any of these books, but she's a TikTok and YouTube influencer. And it's very cutesy sort of goth chick, you know, um, just pink and gothy cutesy thing. The next one is called Blackthorn's Botanical Brews. And that one's got a lot of good educational stuff. And then the third one is called Witchcraft Cocktails. And that one's a bit fancier. That one's got pictures and it's got tarot cards and gemstones that go along with the cocktails as well and cute names for the cocktails. So I'm trying to decide between those three, but I'm getting really nudged. I'm getting ready to buy like a cocktail Mm. set, like a bartender cocktail set and one of those books. And I'm going to make myself some witchy cocktails. Well, you know, your friend Jen would love to come over and sample those with you as long as you don't have anything in them like juniper. So So Jen- cannot have gin. That's, that's the rule. Jen, no, no gin for gin, gin. for gin. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there is this beautiful gin that I will have to make on my own, but it's Empress 1908 gin and it has butterfly sweet pea flower. So if you've seen that, it is this flower that turns your brew or your potion or your tea, uh, a blue or purple. Oh. And you can add some different types of acidity to it. So it can range all the way from pink to an indigo. 
or and anywhere in between. So you can really have fun with this gin making your cocktails. I imagine you can probably do that with vodka too, right? So you can buy the flower. (laughs) You can buy butterfly sweet pea flower separately to add to your cocktails. Okay. But the Empress 1908 is made. It's like distilled with butterfly. I I thought you you meant you were going to put it together. All right. But where, if you wanted to buy one of those flowers, where the heck would you even Maybe a nice local herbalist shop if you've got one. You could probably ask Wendy Griffin from RDO. She'd probably (laughs) know if they, I mean, they might even grow them themselves. Who knows? Right. So interesting. Yeah. It's really cool little trick butterfly sweet pea flower to turn Mm. your potions anywhere from pink to blue to purple. So it's gorgeous. That's cool. Well, hey, speaking of witchy things, like I said, we are talking about witchcraft today. The reason why we chose this topic really is, again, because it's something that it's one of the major topics when it comes to consciousness and new age and new thought, but also because we were thinking about future things and we had talked about having a guest who knows about hoodoo and uh, some of the other types of religions. And I'm like, you know, that's great, but we haven't even talked about witchcraft. So maybe we should do that. And April, like her eyes lit up and she started <laughs> salivating. And she's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm in charge of this episode, people. (laughs) I know. I was like, well, I don't consider myself a witch, so it's all you. (laughs) So, and that's fine. I mean, I, I don't, uh, just because of the way I approach my practice, I don't consider myself a witch. Um, I do certain rituals. So there's some carryover there, but I don't do spells personally. Um, But, you know, spiritual growth is an evolving thing and talk to me a year from now and maybe... I will. I I don't know. But as of right now, I still, I really don't consider myself that. Um, But if you're new to spiritual practices, you may have had someone call you a witch meant in a derogatory way. And I want to take a moment to go into the meaning of the word witch. So very briefly, um, there was a blog post I follow. uh, There's a medium called Amanda Lynette Meter. And she's actually somebody who I started listening to years ago when I was very, very early in my spiritual development. She actually had a podcast with her sister, which is now not even anywhere on the net that I could find, but it had so much great information. I just ate it up. Like I soaked it up like a sponge. And anyway, so she has a blog and she wrote this about Wit, the word witch. She said it's derived from the old English word wit. And that refers to the mind as the seat of consciousness. So the word wit means keenness and quickness of perception or discernment. And the practice of witchcraft, it means you practice keen wisdom. So what Amanda, I'm, I'll quote her blog right now. She said, as someone who exercises skill in the making in parentheses, craft of the wisdom in parentheses, wit. When someone calls you a witch, they have identified you as someone who is practicing the art of using your own wisdom. And quite honestly, if you define witch by that meaning, I guess I would be a witch because that definitely does describe what I do. I actually kind of owe this episode to Jen, because if you go back and listen to our pagan episode, Jen surprised me on air by asking me a question of like, how do I identify? And I'm going to talk about something a little bit later called the witch wound, but I 
I said during that episode, I was like Christian light or like Christian plus, because there is some ideals, some things that carry over, but it made me think after that episode. And I almost called her up the next day and said, can you delete that from Mm -hmm. the episode? Because it really kind of triggered me in a particular way because I'm so used to being um, attacked Mm -hmm. or scoffed at for which type stuff. But after that episode, it's like a really growing experience. So after that episode, I was like, you know what? I got to be true to me. And this is me. So after that episode, I'm like, you know what? If you ask me that question again, I'm going to tell you I'm a witch and proud of it. And, you know, it's interesting because like I just said a few minutes ago, spiritual growth, I mean, that happens throughout your whole life. And even though that's just you know, that was just a couple months a couple ago, months ago. Yeah. you know, I mean, a couple months from now, who knows what's going to be. So it's all an evolving thing. So oh, yeah. as far as deleting that, I mean, I think it's good to have it in there, but it's also good to have this in there because, mm-hmm. you know, we're actually approaching our one year anniversary. It's coming up really soon. And if you go back and listen to the very first one, I actually cringed because I think about what a horrible quality that was. But <laughs> anyway, um, just thinking about how much you and I have grown doing this right. podcast and how much we've changed and it's just, it's a combination of doing the podcast, but also the other things that we've done outside of the podcast mm-hmm. that have helped us to grow. And I think we've helped each other grow quite a bit Absolutely. too. So sending you some love. Aww. So let's just jump right in. So April, tell us what is witchcraft? So witchcraft is defined as the practice of magical skills, spells, and abilities. So it may have a spiritual or religious context or may not, and its meaning varies culturally and societally. Some believe that witches cause things to happen by their intentions, their force of will, emotions, and innate abilities. Some would consider this supernatural or psychic. A more modern definition of witchcraft or the craft is a combination of knowledge and skills. So a modern day witch might use their personal will to change reality or reshape things with intention using a variety of tools like herbs, candles, making magical crafts or objects and through focusing their intentions and emotions they focus on creating a particular outcome so then tell me what is the difference between wicca and witchcraft so this question gets asked a lot and there is a difference so wicca is considered to be a religion whereas witchcraft is a practice that may be spiritual or religious but is not considered a religion itself so if you go back and listen to our pagan episode our guest bear he mentioned this he's like all poodles are dogs but not all dogs are poodles So by that same token, all Wiccans are witches, but not all witches are Wiccan. So many witches don't consider themselves religious at all or combine the practice, or some may combine the practice with other religions like Christianity, shamanism, and paganism. Okay, so I know there are pagan witches, and I'm wondering, though, is it possible to be a Christian witch? Is there such a thing? It is a thing. So some people find it a little hard to believe or hard to kind of wrap their their mind around how that can be a thing. But since witchcraft is a practice, it can be incorporated to any religion whatsoever. So many Christian witches say that they follow the inclusive love-based teaching of Jesus and discard the parts of the Bible like Leviticus that vilify witches. And some scholars and witches even say that uh, King James 
did not like sorcerers and witches. So a lot of that got really brought to the forefront um, Mm. because it does say something in there like thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, that sort of thing. And if you go back to the old meaning of those words, they meant different things than we know of today. So like the term warlock means oath breaker or betrayal. So witches can be male or female, but a lot of male witches don't use the term warlock because it has that negative connotation attached. That's really interesting because that is actually something I had been wondering for a while. Uh, I just didn't think to ask it as a question for the episode. So the people that we encounter in our businesses, you know, whether they're at the shows we are, the the groups that we're in, or you know, just what we do, it, a lot there are a lot of men that practice witchcraft, mm-hmm. and it never occurred to me like, do they call themselves warlocks? I've never ever heard any of them say that word, so right. that's really interesting. So I've also, however, heard the term baby witch in some of mm-hmm. the Facebook groups that I'm in, and that I guess is someone who's just starting out with witchcraft, right? So, it is. so are there like different, different names for different levels of witches? Not particularly. So a new witch is often referred to as a new witch, beginner witch, or baby witch. Although some people consider baby witch, that term a bit derogatory. So new witch, beginner witch, and it's kind of like calling somebody a, a basic witch. That's also a sort of derogatory term as well, right? But one thing you'll have to do as a witch is you're going to have to study a lot. And the more you study and the more you practice, the more experience you get. Now, if you're part of a coven or certain Wiccan sects, then you may have levels that you're initiated into over time. So those particular levels may have different names and meaning attached to that. So it is possible that you could have different levels to your witchcraft practice. And I thought... When you were over here the other day, you mentioned we were talking about this episode a little bit and what we were going to do. And you had mentioned something about, is it called high witch? Was that a thing? Oh, yes. It was um, high magic and low magic. Yes. Okay. Right. So I am reading a book right now called Wishcraft. The author of Witch Wishcraft, she mentioned that there's high magic and low magic, and that's nothing to do with good or evil. But the high magic was very ceremonial. And that's what I think of as, as Wicca. You call your corners, you have your altars, you have your gods, you have your goddess. There's, you might even wear robes and you have, you know, ceremonial chalices and things like that. And then you have the low magic. And that's more of what I practice. The low magic is your everyday, some would say basic witch, but mm-hmm. it's your everyday uh, common practice. So I don't have uh, things like casting circles and calling the corner. So there's less ritual to it. And you'll see that with the hedge witches and green witches that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So there's less standing on ceremony and more on practicality with low magic. So the high magic is like what we see in the movies. Yes. And on oh, the, yeah, the TV, right. you know, dramas and mysteries and crime shows and stuff like that. Right. 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 It And Hollywood, since you brought up Hollywood, a lot of um, that misconception is that witches are Satanists, right? So all those rituals where everybody's in a robe and there's an altar and all that, that would be high Candles magic. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low magic is me burning a cinnamon stick, you know, <laughs> you know and that's about it. So very different. I get emails from the the Universal Life Church Monastery, which is where I received my certification for ministry. And this 
article. They actually just sent this in an email. It's so weird how things come together. I think the universe just wanted us to do this episode. Right. Because it was like, here, here's something else. It's but it, it brings up even today, witches are persecuted and what a hot topic that is because it references someone who in 2015 actually murdered somebody. And because of his practice with witchcraft, the media like took off with it and people were protesting and they're like, oh my gosh, there's witchcraft here in Florida. Holy cow, this is horrible. And people are getting sacrificed and it's awful. But as it turns out, he was just upset that his mother cut him out of her will. So it had nothing to do with that practice yet because it was attached to that, there was a huge uproar about it. So that mm -hmm. was crazy. Yeah, back in the 80s, there was something called like satanic panic. It was really a people being very paranoid that any kind of crime or whatever ha had witchcraft attached and Satanism attached. I, I grew up in Florida, so I remember that from the 80s. Uh, if there was anything that looked out of sorts, oh, it must be satanic and, and witchcraft and wow. stuff. So the South is such just, a special place. <laughs> I don't think it was just a Florida thing though. Cause I was living in Western New York at the time. And I remember that too. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, and yeah. I, I wonder if there were some movies or TV shows maybe like, cause you remember like we went through a vampire time of reason mm -hmm. to vampires. Maybe that was yeah. the time when everybody's into witchcraft or whatever. Anyway, yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hollywood. So some common misconceptions about witchcraft is that's a great lead in is number one, that they worship Satan, right? So some witches might do that, but generally Satan is often considered a Christian concept and many witches either don't believe in or recognize Satan or hell. So, you know, um, you, you do have a sect of witches called Luciferian witches that do worship Lucifer. Um, so for that, then yes, but generally witchcraft as a practice, that's not part of the practice. And there's a very old belief that witches worship Satan. And this led to the persecution and demonization of witches in the past. I have recently been asked, like recently as in last month, asked if I worship Satan and sacrifice babies and animals. Wait, say that yeah. last part again. Yep. Recently, as of last month, I've been asked if I worship Satan and sacrifice babies and animals. That's, that's insane. Like the South is a special place. Y'all it, it just, it is special. Wow. And I thought someone calling me ungodly was bad. That's nothing compared to what you got. Oh my I gosh. Know, How, right. That's wow. Crazy. Yeah. So, and I've experienced this piece as some Christians will attempt to project their own beliefs onto those who practice witchcraft due to the Christian beliefs that witches are going to hell and they need to be saved, right? So you might have some very sweet, well-meaning people want, trying to save your soul from something you don't even believe in, right? So these projections can unfortunately cause one of two conditions. So the first one is called the witch wound. And this is discussed in a book called Witch by Lisa Lister. It's a really great book. But the witch wound refers to the fear that you will be physically or emotionally hurt by others due to your practices and beliefs. So this witch wound, is many people carry it from past life trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's from being related to being accused of, tortured, or killed for your your witch practices, or even your herbalism or your midwifery practices, you were considered a witch. If you were old or different or a loner, 
right? So this can lead to fears of letting others see your interests in healing, your energy work, working with crystals, herbalism, because people with this knowledge were accused of being a witch. It's almost like if you were a smart woman, independent, Beyonce-like in the Middle Ages, you were clearly <laughs> a witch. I don't think that you have to have had that happen in your past life to feel that way. Cause quite honestly, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't talk about this stuff with my family because mm -hmm. some of them are staunch Christians. And mm -hmm. I know, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate or a conversation with them. You know, if I'm over there for the holiday, I'm not going to talk about politics or religion or my spirituality. So, you know, just for that reason, it's not that I'm hiding from them, but I don't want to talk about it. And so I can under, they probably think I'm a witch actually. <laughs> Maybe I should listen to Maybe. this episode to know that I'm not anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So again, I, I certainly am completely on board with that, but I think you could still have that issue without having it as a past life too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The second wound is called the Christ wound. So the Christ wound appears when there's been persecution by Christians or the patriarchy. It can lead to an inability to feel comfortable with Christian principles because of persecution in the past or present. So those with a Christ wound may actually have present day issues with father with their fathers in this life or with masculine energy and patriarchal control, because part of the is like Christ, our father, you know, father, God, that sort of thing. So if you have have issues with your birth father or stepfather, foster father, anything like that, that may carry over into some Christ wound issues. If you have had any uh, problems with masculine or father figures in your life. Next common mix misconception is that witches are evil because they hex and curse people. So this is an interesting one. So as a witch, you'll have to sort out your own ethics and your own path and code of conduct, because witchcraft is a personal practice for the most part. So some witches may hex or curse people, but others are strongly against those practices because they may, inter may interfere with the free will of others. And there are different beliefs in witchcraft about karma or the concept of what you put out, either positive or negative, coming back to you. So some witches, their personal beliefs forbid interfering with the free will of others or harming them. And Wicca is an example of this. Others believe that there's no wrong that should go unpunished. And you may come across phrases in your studies of if you can't hex, you can't heal, or if you can't curse, you can't cure. The word can't, you know, if you can't do this, you can't do something mm -hmm. else. But I would like to point out that it doesn't say don't. It's not like if you don't hex, you can't heal. Right. right. So it's, mm -hmm. it's all completely a choice. And, and, hide. and by the way, uh, just a little sidebar here, I should have said this at the beginning, but you know, we're here to provide information for our listeners and we're not trying to spread any agenda. We're not trying to convert you. We're not trying to do any of these things. What we're here to do is give you information so that you can decide what's right for you. So you can follow your intuition, what's in your heart, because we wholeheartedly believe that's what you need to do. Even if it's completely different from what we do, we're here just to give you some little nuggets that maybe you can run with if it, they resonate with you. So sorry for the interruption, but um, I thought it was important to point out there. Absolutely. So bottom line is you get to choose the ethics of your craft. So I personally don't curse or hex. That's not part of my practice or belief system. And if you are a nineties kid, you may remember this movie, the craft. 
super popular among witches. But there is a scene in there where a shopkeeper says magic is neither good or evil. It's both because nature is both. So magic is a force and it depends on the will or the intention of the practitioner, right? It's it's almost like a, a dog, right? Some pe- A pit bull. You can make that mean or you can make that good, mm-hmm. right? It's just a dog, right? It depends on the will of the owner. So another misconception is you need to be or act a certain way as a witch. So every witch is going to have an opinion about what constitutes being a witch and how you should practice the witchcraft. The same could be said about most religions. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of parallel there. So you may come across people called gatekeepers, and these are naysayers that may chastise you for not practicing in a particular way. And if you are a new witch or beginner witch, you may make some mistakes just because you haven't done enough things in your studies yet. So if some of these gatekeepers uh, make you feel bad, just remember witchcraft is a personal practice. Everybody makes mistakes along the way. So don't let somebody turn you off the craft because you're not doing something the way other people think you're supposed to. So if you, you also get to decide whether you want to practice alone, which is called being solitary, or if you would like to practice as part of a coven, which is a group of witches that practice their intention together and what tools you incorporate into your practice. Yeah. hundred percent. You be you boo. Mm-hmm. Always. So another misconception, especially with new witches, they may think they need a lot of tools to be a witch and they have to get all the things and all the tools. So here's the thing. That is false. You do not need a lot of tools to be a witch. So your intention is the most important part about being a witch. You are the magic. So you don't need candles in every color, a hundred different crystals or an entire cupboard of herbs. So witchcraft is about honoring and respecting nature while manifesting your desired reality. So you can easily work with a plain white candle and a pretty rock you picked up from outside. Whether you choose to set up any kind of ceremonial altar with all the tools as outlined in a Wiccan practice, or you decide to modify it, it's entirely up to you. So if I wanted to start out, like if, if I listen to spiritual basics podcast, I'm like, Hey, I might be a witch. I want to kind of try it out. Mm-hmm. What, what do you recommend I would get to like a starter kit, I guess? Right. Like what, what are the basic right. things that I need to get started to see if it's for me? I would recommend this is my little starter pack, <laughs> a white candle or tea light, a quartz crystal, a rosemary sprig, and cinnamon or lavender herbs. So let me explain each one of these things. So I do candle magic. It's one of my primary magics that I do. And I do have candles in lots of different colors. But if you are reading a spell and it asks you for a red candle and you don't have a red candle, white candles can be substituted for any color candle. So you can't go wrong with it. Just like a quartz crystal can be substituted. Clear quartz. A clear quartz. Yeah, yeah. Clear quartz, white candle. Okay, that makes sense. So a clear quartz can be substituted for any crystal in a spell. Now, a rosemary sprig, I like this one for two reasons. Number one, it's very common and it's not... Uh, owned by any culture, right? It's a common garden thing. It's considered an open practice herb. 
And rosemary can be used. You can burn it like you would sage or Palo Santo. And so it's it can be lovely to burn. It's beautiful. So you, you can cleanse and protect your space with a rosemary sprig if you burn it. But also rosemary is so versatile. You can substitute rosemary for any herb in a spell. The same uh-huh. thing with cinnamon. Cinnamon is my favorite spice. And I would say spice herb. Because you can use it for love spells, money spells, abundance spells, self-love spells. It is everything. So this may sound like a really dumb question, but I'm assuming you use a cinnamon stick. I use both. So you can use like the ground cinnamon that you You just get like at the grocery store. Absolutely. You can sprinkle some ground cinnamon on the tea light you're burning. And that's great if you're doing a prosperity or abundance spell or even a self-love spell. Cinnamon does everything. It is all the things. Nice. Right. I think cinnamon is like the quartz crystal. <laughs> I mean, it really does all the things. Yeah. Or lavender. So yeah. lavender can also be substituted for almost any herb. So if you have those three things, cinnamon, lavender, rosemary, a, with a quartz or white candle, you will be set. Do you actually burn the lavender as well or just use it kind of? sprinkle it around or it depends on the spell you can sprinkle it around the candle or you can put it on top of the candle or you can roll the candle in it and that's a different technique as well so both all right so one thing you are going to hear about read about see about in your practice you've already maybe seen it on the news a little bit but in the witch world there are a lot of discussions happening about cultural appropriation and open or closed practices. So there are a lot of tools and techniques available to you as a witch. However, some deities or practices that you encounter may be from other cultures. Cultural appropriation occurs when you utilize elements such as tools, techniques, or practices that come from a culture different than your own. When this happens, often someone doesn't do their research about the culture's culture's practices, and you can unintentionally be disrespectful. This may lead to cultural misappropriation. So what's fine to one person may be construed as a cultural appropriation or misappropriation to another. You'll need to make up your own mind about which elements, if any, you adopt from other cultures. But be prepared for the gatekeepers to pop up and say something at some point or another if you're going to publicize what you do on social media. So one thing I'd like to add here, it's just my opinion, but when you're using tools or adapting exercises from other cultures, it's not necessarily misappropriating. Education really is your best tool to avoid that, but it's a way that various traditions have evolved over centuries. For example, Halloween came from Samhain, Dia de los Muertos. There's so much crossover there. Like, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? So I think Again, it's just best to listen to what's in your heart and ensure you have the very best intentions. So I I do recognize that some people might disagree with this opinion, but that's just, you know, that's how I view it anyway. Absolutely. The next thing I want to talk about is an open practice and a closed practice. So an open practice can be enjoyed by anyone and it's made up of 
elements or practices that are common and don't necessarily originate from any one culture in particular, like candles, crystals, most herbs like rosemary, they're considered open, common, free for anyone to use. Now, a closed practice, this is a spiritual practice that's generally only open to those who are born into, adopted, invited, or initiated into a particular culture from a member originating from that culture. It is not open to everyone, and its ceremonies and practices are held sacred to members of the community. So practicing the ceremonies or using the elements out of context from this culture, if you're not a member, would be considered cultural appropriation or misappropriation. So an example of this, using the term smudging, if you are burning white sage or Palo Santo, if you are not an indigenous person. So the term smudging has an entire ceremony attached to it. And it's very sacred. White sage is very sacred to Native Americans. Some Native Americans are not okay with you using white sage if you are non-Native. Others are fine with it if you do not use the term smudging. So you can use an alternate term like smoke cleansing, or sometimes I'll say saging. Another example, and this kind of breaks my heart, but I've seen some new witches buy their first pack of tarot cards and then a gatekeeper pops up and says you shouldn't use tarot cards if you're not Romani. So if you're not familiar with the Romani culture, you may be familiar with the term gypsy, but that is a racial slur. So the proper term for that culture is Romani and they may also be referred to as travelers in Europe and that's also an accepted term. But the Romani did not develop tarot. All right. Their cultures popularized for using it, but tarot developed as a card game in Italy before it became a divination practice. So that one doesn't hold as much weight. And, but I'll still see it. I still see some people's, the gatekeepers trying to turn off new witches from using tarot if they're not Romani. But um, so you may see these things out there and you'll just have to make up your own mind whether you choose to use white sage, palo santo, or tarot. Uh, white sage and Palo Santo are being over harvested right now. So if you do choose to use them, make sure you are purchasing them from a very reputable supplier and that you're just not going to Whole Foods and buying a stick, right? You want to make sure that if you can, being a witch is all about being re respectful and in tune with nature. So trying not to use these tools that are being over harvested or endangered is a good idea if you can. All right. Now let's talk about some types of witches. So we have a list for you, but this list is not all encompassing. There are so many different types of witches out there, but I wanted to introduce you to some popular um, sex that you may run into in your studies. So the first one is called an Alexandrian witch. So this is one of those high magic witches. Right. Their covens were founded in England during the 1960s, and they focus on ceremonial magic with a hierarchical, hierarchical structure. That's a hard word to say. <laughs> Generally, it uses the same tools as Gardenaria and Wicca, although their rituals may differ slightly. 
And then we've got Asatru. So this follows the Norse pantheons and it recognizes many gods and goddesses and is considered a pagan religion. So you may recall if you listened to our episode on paganism with Baron Wendy from Arty Artisanals, Bear did mention Asatru, and that is a new religious movement that attempts to revive the ancient polytheistic traditions, the ones that worship Thor, Odin, Freya, and other gods and goddesses from Scandinavia's pre-Christian history. So again, you can reference that previous episode if you want to learn more about that type of paganism. You also have brujas or curanderas, and these are witches, healers, and medicine workers that follow Hispanic folk traditions. And a Celtic witch follows the Celtic pantheon. So practices are generally nature-based and may include elementals like fairies, and it's a popular form of paganism today. There's a Dianic witch, and this one is pretty interesting. So Remember earlier we talked about witches can be male or female, but Dianic witches are a coven exclusively female, and that's because they primarily focus on worshiping the goddess in her three aspects of maiden mother and crone. It reveres the divine feminine and women only on that one. Sorry, guys. The next one is Eclectic Witch, and this is me. It's an individual who chooses elements from different traditions to create their own personalized practice. Next up is a Gardenarian Witch. So Wicca is often derived from Gardner's teaching. So it's named after the founder, Gerald Gardner, from England incorporates folklore and customs from English paganism, worshiping the horned god and goddess of nature. You have a green witch, the practice of nature-based and earth-based witchcraft using plants, herbs, and flowers for medicinal and magical value. Next up is a hedge witch. So you may see hedge witch and green witch, the terms used interchangeably, but they are slightly different. So a hedge witch follows a more shamanic path and may journey the worlds to act as a go-between spirit communicator. Hoodoo Witch blends African-American and Native American folk medicine and magic. A kitchen witch works primarily in the kitchen, making food, potions, or tinctures using herbs and nature-based ingredients. Shamans are a closed spiritual practice involving training and initiation. It combines the roles of healer, diviner, teacher, and spiritual counselor, though particular ceremony through particular ceremonies and practices. A Thelemic witch uses spiritual philosophy developed by Aleister Crowley in the early 20th century. So through your witchcraft studies, you may come across Crowley a lot. And if you use tarot cards, you may see the Thoth deck, but he founded Order of the Golden Dawn, which um, is out there. And he coined the term magic with a K. So that's M-A-G-I-C-K to differentiate between the spiritual discipline and stage magic. And finally, we come to Wicca. So in 1939, Gerald Gardner claimed to have been initiated into a traditional witchcraft coven in New Forest, UK. So afterward, he began to write his own interpretations of ancient pagan witchcraft. From these beginnings came the practice known as Wicca, which is recognized as a modern religion today. 
It's a nature-based religion that worships an ultimate life force, call it what you will, God, God, goddess, source, or universe, and honors the male and female aspects of life. The god and goddess can have different names depending on the pantheon you choose and celebrates the seasonal holidays on the wheel of the year as the full moons and new moons. So can you go over really briefly just a little bit about what the wheel of the year is about? I think we should do a a future episode on it, but just so that just like the definition of it so that people understand what it is. Sure. So if you go back to our paganism episode as well, we talked a bit about, but a lot of paganism, ancient witchcraft, even Wicca, they followed the wheel of the year because witchcraft or paganism was largely an agricultural practice. So the wheel of the year begins on Samhain or Halloween. That's almost like, which is New Year's Eve, if you want to look at it that way. So Mm -hmm. that's when the new year begins. The next is Yule, which comes around Christmas. That's, that's, is that always on the, the solstice solstice? Yeah. Right. You'll find that the different high holidays are called sabbats and the full moons and new moons are called esbots. Okay. So the high holidays will often course, some of them will correspond to the equinoxes and the solstice. Okay. So yeah, makes sense. But every couple of months you'll have a new holiday and that kind of corresponds to, you have one in the spring that corresponds with Easter and that's about planting. And then in the summer uh, you begin to harvest and then in the fall, your, the final harvest is in and then you rest in the winter. And there are eight sabbats. Is that right? Don't ask me my math. Uh, that sounds about right. But well, yes. also I think it, it might depend on what type of, of witchcraft and paganism you sure. practice. Cause I was actually right. looking into this the other day because my Nordic roots are really starting to come through. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so, and there is a wheel of the year associated with that. And there are a couple different sabbats or holidays. So mm-hmm. anyway, interesting. I think we should totally do that Absolutely. in a feature episode. That'd be fun. Perfect. Now, speaking of Wicca, there are two basic codes that Wiccans live by. So remember, not all witches are Wiccans, right? But all Wiccans are witches. So you have the Wiccan read, which is, and you harm none, do what you will. So basically, that's you're free to use your magic as long as you don't harm anyone. Now, self-defense is allowed. So here is interesting because... I mean, self-defense is allowed, which is good, but on the other hand, it's probably pretty easy to justify like what constitutes self-defense, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're going to be doing a spell against somebody, you can claim it's self-defense. That's pretty subjective. Here's the next thing though. So the next one is the threefold law. So any positive or negative you do will return to you threefold. So if your intentions and your self-defense, I'm using air quotes here, if your (laughs) self-defense was questionable and you put a spell out with questionable intent or maybe malicious intent, that's going to return back to you threefold by this Wiccan um, tenant. So it kind of gets you. So if you you reap what you sow is another way to say that. Mm -hmm. What you put out is going to return to you times three. So April, can you tell us some of the resources that you would recommend for our listeners who want to learn more about witches and witchcraft? Absolutely. So if you are a new witch, beginner witch, or you've been out of the witchcraft game for a little bit and you want to dip your toe back in the water, then they actually have something called Witchipedia, which is the cutest little name. So (laughs) 
Wikipedia breaks down all these witchcraft topics just like Wikipedia would. So super fun. And then there's another one called eclecticwitchcraft.com. And this website had a very lengthy, detailed article on exactly what you need to study as a new witch. Cool. Are there any books that you'd recommend? There are more books than you can shake a stick at, right? That's the problem though, right? So what would you recommend? Oh my goodness. So when I first started, witchcraft really began to be popularized in the 90s. And you saw that from the movie, The Craft. And then in the early 2000s, you had Charmed on TV. So that was really the, the birth of of getting Wicca and witchcraft out there. So some OG authors, if you will, that that take you through Wicca are Doreen Valiente, Silver Ravenwolf, and Scott Cunningham. And just know that it, at the very least, Doreen Valiente and Scott Cunningham are very high magic. So this is very ceremonial based. Okay. And when I first started to learn about Wicca, I actually got turned off because it was so ceremonial. It sounds like it can get quite complicated. It it can. And I'm, I'm a Taurus and I like to have the things. So when I was a new witch, I felt I needed to have all the tools, like all the things, like all the colors of candles, all the oils. And I had to have every little thing for my altar, like God statue, goddess statue, like pentacle, chalice, athame. I had to have all the things and it just became overwhelming to me. And I quit. So that's one reason I practice low magic now because it's more intuitive based magic. And as I've gotten older, I realize I don't need to have all the things, right? So some authors in modern witchcraft that don't take you through that high ceremony are Juliet Diaz, Lisa Lister, Aaron Murphy Hiscock, and Sky Alexander. And then are there any Facebook groups that you would recommend? I know that there are some regional Facebook groups. I know you're, I think you mentioned there are a couple that you're in down here in Texas, but mm-hmm. do you know of any that are more? I do. One off the top of my head, as you mentioned that I, I'm a member of a few, but the first one that popped in my mind, so I'm guessing that somebody out there needs to hear this one is called Empathy Witches. Oh. So it's for empaths who are also witches. And uh, I've also joined a lot of people who have metaphysical shops online, their pages, because you do learn a lot from their sites as well. That is true. Yeah, absolutely. Green Man Studios is one of those. We've had Arthur and Aloy on our past episode as well. Obviously, Artisanals too. And Hearth Wisdom is Mm -hmm. local in the DFW area. So you might be surprised at what is in your area because the practice of magic is picking up steam. It's not going away. It's just getting stronger and becoming more mainstream. You know, one thing I'd like to say about Facebook groups though, is you do have to be careful because I, and I do, you know, when I do readings for people or even when I do, you know, coaching sessions with them, if I think there's a Facebook group that might help them, I always tell them just to use your discernment because Mm you groups have like every group has like their own community. They're all sharing the feeding off the same energy and everything. And sometimes you might get in a group and they just don't resonate with you. Or there are a lot of people that, you know, they just 
don't fit with what you're trying to do. Don't lose hope. Just, you know, get out of that group and find another one because there's so many out there. And actually, Facebook is trying to promote group usage so much that I can only see this is the way of the future. Definitely. And I'm glad that you brought that up because as a new or beginner witch, some of them feel excited or pressured that they want to join a coven immediately. But I recommend that you spend at least a year, if not one to two years as a solitary, just studying to figure out you and how you work with the craft and what's important to you and what your ethics are. Because like you said, group dynamics can be tricky. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I hate to say it, humans are humans, but some covens can be very predatory or the end game of that coven doesn't match your personal integrity and ethics. Mm -hmm. So know yourself, know how you work with the craft first before you try to find a group uh, such as a coven to join. So everybody, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Spiritual Basics Podcast. We hope you got a lot of great information and we look forward to talking to you again next time. Have a good one. Stay with you, my friends. This has been Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. Find full episodes on your favorite listening platform or visit spiritualbasicspodcast.com.